When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. It's time for your baby to start solid foods. You're ready, your baby is ready, but there's still that small voice in your head that's terrified of feeding your baby anything that could be considered a choking hazard. We get it, we've all been there. So what do you need to keep in mind when giving your baby solid foods? And what are some of the biggest choking culprits out there when feeding your baby food? We're breaking things down today and hopefully giving you a little extra peace of mind. This is Newbies. He's gorgeous. Um, it's a girl. Surprise! The whole family's here! So when are you having the next one? It's just poop. Ready for another? Wow! You look really tired. Ready to go back to work? Yellow poop? Seriously? Did you sterilize this? Sex? Now? You've got to be joking. You should sleep when the baby sleeps. She doesn't look anything like you. I thought you already had your baby. I did. Babies don't come with instructions, so there's Newbies, helping new moms and new babies through the first year. Welcome to Newbies. Newbies is your online on-the-go support group guiding new mothers through their baby's first year. I'm Sunny. I'm a mom of four. My kids are a little bit older now. I don't have any more newbies. I guess that's old bees. I'm not, I'm not really sure. They're elementary school age, but I remember what it was like to have brand new kiddos. And I'm really happy to be with you guys today. We've got a great show. We're talking about choking hazards for your babies. That's just something that I know parents freak out about a lot. So I want to make sure we, we're going to give you a top 10 list, guys. We're going to break things down for you in today's episode. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to visit our website, newmommymedia.com. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter. It's going to keep you updated on all of our episodes that we release each week. Keep in mind, we have other podcasts besides newbies. We have Preggy Pals, if you are in the pregnancy phase, Parent Savers, if you've got a little bit older kids, like the toddler age, the boob group, if you're breastfeeding or providing breast milk for your babies. We also have a show called Twin Talk if you are a mom or dad of multiples. So I want you to check out all that great information on our website. And then another great way to stay updated is to hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're on so you never miss another episode of Newbies. We also have a membership club. It's called Mighty Moms. So if you guys want to dive into the topics that we talk about on our podcast episodes a little bit more, if you want to have a chance to actually be on our shows as a guest, then join Mighty Moms. And you can check that out on our website. There's a bunch of banners there. All right. Stay right there, mamas. We'll be right back. <coughs> Sound familiar? <coughs> if your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh. It was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. 
help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Today on Newbies, we are talking about food. We're talking about your baby's food. And odds are you've been feeding your kiddo the mushy stuff for a while now. Now it's time to transition into what I'm calling solid foods. You know, it's a little more chunky. You know, you may give them something whole. And it's a time that many mamas dread because of the various choking hazards, right? So what do you need to keep in mind to make sure this doesn't happen in your home? Well, our expert today is Renee Dandria from New Ways Nutrition. She is a dietitian who focuses on child and family nutrition. Thank you so much for joining us, Renee, and welcome to Newbies. Thanks for having me. Yes, and I didn't mention this before, but you also have a podcast. So tell everyone what's the name of your podcast. The podcast is Just Eat. It's a little bit of just a eat. just a little bit of a play on how much as parents we want kids to just eat, and that tends to be. <laughs> The worst thing that we can actually end up doing. So it's, you know, a little tongue in cheek there. Yeah, it's really like, just eat for the love of God in parentheses, right? Yep. (laughs) Okay, well, you guys make sure to check out our podcast. Renee, how do we know when our babies are ready for what I'm calling solid food? Maybe we should break that down. What, what, What does that mean? So it depends on who you ask. When you are talking to someone like yeah. me who, you know, spends a lot of our time in child feeding areas, when we say solid foods, we're really meaning anything that is not milk, not breast milk or formula. So that can be purees, that can be finger foods, anything else would be what we would consider solid foods. Okay. Obviously, other people also think of solid foods as those finger foods. Right, right. So it really depends on who you're asking. Okay. So I guess when I say solid foods, I'm thinking about maybe a stage beyond that. I don't know if there was an official term for that. I'm thinking of something that isn't mushy, that's more like, hey, I want to give you something that a normal person would eat, um, but maybe tailored a little bit more for your age. (laughs) So I don't know what that's called. Yeah. And I think the distinction really has to be made that now that, you know, a baby led style of feeding has become so much more popular. And so where, you know, there isn't that standard mushy face. And so solid foods, I think that's where that distinction comes in is it can be purees, which is your traditional thinking around feeding babies, but it can also mean, you know, that finger foods that you're referring to, but that can be given right around that like six month beginning mark. Okay. So it might make sense to back it up and be like, okay, because I, you know, I breastfed, I've got four kids, I breastfed all my babies. What's your advice for parents as far as, you know, kind of getting out of the milk phase then and, and starting to incorporate some of these other foods? How do you know when your baby's ready for that? So it's really about developmental markers. Okay. It's not about a specific age. You know, there's no magic number. Your baby turns six months old and all of a sudden they're ready for right. any type of food. That's not how it works, um, as easy as that would be. So we're really looking at some of those developmental things um, like they're interested in food they're reaching for food which is important not the number one thing we want them sitting up we want them to be able to like control their trunk some because that can actually really help with choking hazards okay um we want them to be able to like put things from the table, you know, grab it with their hand and put it into their mouth. So it's really more about watching for some of the cues that they're ready for for solids more than, you know, hey, they're 
six months old, hold, hey, they're four months old. Okay. Now let's just feed them. And then how do you begin this transition? Like what do you typically recommend for moms that are kind of freaking out at this point going, oh man, this <laughs> I've never done this before. I don't know what to expect. <laughs> like what do you recommend? I mean, knowledge is power, right? And there's so much out there now. So it really is about kind of delving in a little bit in our sleep-deprived mom brains and parent brains, but delving into, you know, now we have the two different kinds of feeding, like the camps, if you will. So we have baby-led feeding and we have more traditional. And you have kind of the purists on either side who will say you have to go with one. I say go with whatever works for your family, any combination of them, however it works. Um, My biggest key is that we want to start from the beginning of incorporating our kids into how we eat as a family. So not just, you know, off to the side eating and that, that can be hard to wrap our heads around of how do we kind of get them into feeding when they can take a little bit more consideration. They, you know, have foods that need to be safe for them, but we really can, regardless of whether you're feeding purees or finger foods, they can still be a part of the family kind of food environment. And that is one of the best things that we can do for them. And you never know what they're picking up on. You know what I mean? They're they're little sponges. Mm -hmm. They're watching us. You know, I'm picturing a family at the dinner table or whatever, and you bring up the baby, you know, and they're watching us grab our fork. And, you know, I don't know. There's some things with my my kids I don't know that I'd want other babies picking up on. (laughs) But for the most part, you're part of the family experience. And I think if we can kind of get ourselves in that kind of mindset, we may also be saving ourselves some time because I really didn't do that all that well when my kids were young. So I like had a separate time when I would feed them and then a separate time where I feed myself and I was kind of just duplicating the whole process. You know what I'm saying? Like multiple Mm -hmm. times per day, which is kind of silly. Well, and it can be really hard because, you know, we're used to feeding ourselves. So we're used to feeding older kids. And so it's hard to get into that habit of like doing everything at once. And it can seem a lot easier at first to separate it out. But, Mm -hmm. you know, what I always really encourage parents is it can seem like a bit of a steep learning curve at first, but it really does. Like you said, it saves time in the end. And not only that, it really helps our kids to learn how to eat. Yeah. You know, and I always use the example of like broccoli. And whether you start with baby led weaning or, you know, you transition from purees into finger foods, think about a broccoli. Like you look at it, it's like, how the heck do you eat this? You know, you've got a stock, you've got a top. Like if babies, if you just hand a baby a piece of broccoli with no one eating it around, yeah, they're going to be like, what do I do with this? And they're going to, you know, we want them to explore. That's good. But if they are watching someone else eat it, they're going to be like, oh, I pick it up and I do this. And that is the best way that we can help them to develop their eating skills. It's for them to be watching other people. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that makes a ton of sense. Now, you mentioned baby-led weaning, and our audience should know, you know, we we throw around these terms quite a bit, but just in case you guys aren't familiar what baby-led weaning is, we have done some episodes on this, but Renee, can you quickly break that down for for people who haven't heard of it before? So baby-led weaning is really just, it's the skipping the puree, it's skipping the traditional mush, um, and saying that at six months old, which is generally when most babies are starting solids, regardless of how, it's right around that age that they are developmentally ready to have finger foods in appropriate textures and appropriate serving manners. And so it's just 
not having to puree, not having to do that stuff, they still can have purees. Um, they can still have those textures. It just kind of takes away a little bit of the the extra extra pureeing, if you will. And, and we're back to time again, right? Because it takes time to puree <laughs> all that stuff. I mean, we still want our kids to be safe, obviously. And that's really the whole point of today's episode. We, we want them to be yep. safe. But at the same time, if you can shave off you know, some time and your whole prep and stuff, why not do that? My thing is always, if we have to feed the kids, then that's taking away from our time and our ability to feed ourselves at the table. So I am all for like, put the food down and let them explore and do it themselves. You can do that with puree, but it's a little easier with finger foods too. Yeah, so. it's a little tough in the beginning for them to like, you know, with the puree stuff, if they have to hold a spoon, you know, that's a whole other, we could do a whole episode mm-hmm. series on, the, yep. <laughs> on that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Let's talk about choking because it's not just having to do with baby lead weaning. In general, like we are we're terrified of this. And and I think rightfully so. We've all seen movies or yep. God forbid been in situations where someone has been choking right in front of us. It is very, very scary. And as a parent, you know, you always think of what's the worst case scenario that could happen here. And so when you're talking about food, most of our minds immediately go to some sort of choking. But <laughs> Renee, there's a difference between choking and gagging. Can you explain the difference to our audience? <laughs> Absolutely. So choking is when there is actually the airway is blocked. So there's food down there. There's mm-hmm. It is down in the airway. Gagging tends to be when a food gets to the back of their throat. So think about your gag reflex yourself. Um, however, I will say that babies, their gag reflex is actually much further to the front of their mouth. So it seems like they can gag a lot more. And that's why it gradually will go back to where it is for us as adults. But usually when we think choking, we're actually thinking gagging. Mm -hmm. So gagging is the like, the loud, the retching, the a lot of times, you know, if you have a light skinned baby, it's going to be the red face, that kind of stuff like that is really gagging. And gagging is, think of it as um, like a warning mechanism. It's a safety mechanism for our babies. As they're learning to manipulate food in their mouth, sometimes they're going to lose track of it. You know, yeah. their tongue isn't going to know where to do it. They're, they're still figuring that out. And sometimes the food will get further back than they want it to. And that's where the gagging comes in to get it out and to keep it safe. Once it gets past that gagging, that's when, you know, it gets the gagging doesn't work and then they choke. That's what we're really looking to avoid. So gagging, it's obviously scary when that happens, right? But should mm-hmm. we be doing anything? Like if our if our kid is gagging, they're not choking. So air is getting through. It's just a little garbled, right? It's not mm-hmm. happening the way it probably should. I mean, should parents be hands-off or is there anything we can do during that time to help our babies? Because that that's our gut reaction, right? Is to pat them on the right. back or something like that. <laughs> That's actually one of the worst things that you can do because that can actually cause them to choke. Mm. Um, If you can imagine, you know, you're hitting them on the back and then the food will dislodge and go down and make them choke instead of having it be able to be, you know, taken out the other way. So the best thing you can do, I always say this, is sit on your hands. It's really (laughs) hard. It's really nerve wracking, which is why I literally mean sit on your hands. Um, And it's really important to be calm and almost coach them through it. Like, you know, that's it. You can do it. Like cough it up, spit it out. You know, just you being calm helps them to know that it's okay and that they're safe. As soon as we, you know, 
become not calm, then they can get scared of it. Yeah. And we don't want that to happen because we don't want them to be scared of food. Obviously, you know, we all have that happen sometimes. So I don't want anyone to think like, oh my God, I reacted to <laughs> gagging really bad. And I have now, my baby is now never going to be the same. It's not like that. It's just, yeah. we just want to be mindful that we need to be calm and help them work through it calmly. Yeah. Babies are so much more resilient than I ever knew. You know what I mean? <laughs> we get a lot more scared. It's the same thing with animals too, I've learned. We, we have a, a fairly new puppy. She's like seven or eight months old. And uh, we went through dog training lessons, total sidebar here, but um, we went through dog training lessons with her. And the trainer kept saying, she is picking up on your reaction. If you would just calm down and not get stressed <laughs> out if she gets off leash, she would come right to you. It's because she is picking up on that. And I think uh -huh. on some level, our kids are doing that too, right? They can Very sense. much so. Yeah, when we're freaking yeah. out and they're like, oh, mom's freaking out. I guess I should freak out, right? Yep, yep, <laughs> absolutely. Very <Yeah>. congruent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break, you guys. When we come back, we are gonna talk about some of the biggest choking culprits for babies when they're starting foods. We actually have a top 10 list for you guys. So we'll be right back. Taste the Mediterranean through March 19th at Whole Foods Market. Save on animal welfare certified bone and beef short ribs sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon, and more. Find sales on Parmigiano-Reggiano, charcuterie and ground lamb. Grab an olive boule bread from the bakery. Plus, wines from the Mediterranean start at just $8.99. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Must be 21 plus. Please drink responsibly. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome back to Newbies. We are continuing our discussion with Renee Dandrea from New Ways Nutrition. Renee, before the break, we started to talk a little bit about choking versus gagging and, uh, you know, all the things that our kids pick up on when we start freaking out about this kind of stuff. But now <laughs> I want to focus on some of the culprits, some of the, the choking culprits that uh, we may come across as parents and, uh, you know, how we can get around that. So I have a list here. And uh, guys, we're going to include this uh, link to this list on our website because I know a lot of you guys are multitasking, doing other things. Um, and Renee has some great information as well that she has on her site. So I'm going to post all those links to the episode page. What we're going to list here are choking hazards. And this was given to us by uh, the USCDC as well as the American Academy of Pediatrics. And again, we're going to focus on the top 10 food choking hazards for babies. Before we dive into this, Renee, you know, one thing that we should say off the top, and I'm, I'm sure you've got something to say about this, is when you cook food, and when you cut up food, that is obviously going to impact how well something goes down your baby's throat. So let's kind of get that out in the open because some of the stuff we're going to mention, they're going to be like, yeah, but if you cooked it, it's going to be okay. So uh, what do you usually recommend to parents when it, when it comes to cooking things, cutting things up? Uh, what's your advice on that for their babies? I mean, it's really important to know how to modify choking hazards to make them safe, right? And part of that is cooking and cutting it. Because most of the time when we say it's a choking hazard, it's not just 
you know, absolutely, you can never give this to babies. It's just it needs to be modified in a form that's safe. So just something to keep in mind. It's not like absolute, never give this. It's just be mindful of of how you do it in most cases. And when we are cooking it, we're, we're usually talking about steaming stuff, I think, right? Steaming stuff. And then do we want it, like what consistency do we want it? Do we want it like mushy? Or do, you know, I mean, if we're trying to teach them to, to eat bigger and bigger pieces of food, I would assume that's not the case, right? You don't want it mushy. Well, so so here's where it kind of can vary based on who you're asking and and what type of feeding they're recommending. But in general, across the board, especially towards the beginning of starting solids, so the beginning of any type of foods, you want it to be smushable between like a thumb and a forefinger. Mm. And so that kind of simulates the tongue and the roof of the mouth. So if you can smush it there, then that makes it really easy for babies to manipulate with their gums. Um, That's one of the biggest rules of like baby lid weaning, right? It's not just give your baby anything, it's give them something smushable. And so as they get older and they get more adept at eating. So that would be, you know, as they're transitioning away from purees and they're stepping up, like you could think of them in that sense too, you can start to make it gradually harder. And a lot of times it's the texture, but it's also the shape as they get older that we're looking at. So it's kind of a combination. Um, There's not necessarily an across the board, like always do this. A lot of different foods can have, you know, this is safe, but that one's not safe. So it can be really confusing as you're starting to learn. Okay. All right. Well, let's dive into our list here. The first item, and this isn't any, you know, in any particular order, guys, but um, raw vegetables and fruit. And I saw on a lot of lists, apples get thrown in there. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about that? So that's because when you think about it, so let's imagine like an apple wedge that we normally would give to a kid. And this goes for not just in the first year. I mean, this is up to the age of four, technically. When we're thinking of like, a wedge of an apple getting snapped off, you think about it, it's like an inch cube, essentially. Right. And babies, like if it's raw, it's really hard for them to break that down. And a lot of times they're just going to try and swallow it. And it's the perfect size to get lodged there. You know, another, when we say raw vegetables, another common one that you see given to kids all the time is the like baby carrots, which is the perfect oh yeah diameter for lodging in a throat really and you see that for kids all the time so it's just being mindful of those hard chunks breaking off that babies and young kids are just not able to manipulate and break down i saw it mentioned on one site when i was doing research for this it said one option for carrots might be to cut it more in strips like really thin strips i don't know how you feel about that so absolutely like that makes it safe doing anything hard thin you can do the same thing for apples but i will caution with that of you know imagine like i cut for an 18 month old um apples into thin slices. I mean, we're talking like, you know, a couple millimeters thick slices. Mm -hmm. And they then that's not going to get lodged in their throat. But it might be kind of frustrating for them if they're younger, that they can't actually chew that easily, because they don't have that ability. So the raw, even in thin, they can have it, it's safe. That doesn't mean that it's not going to be frustrating for them. So just keep that in mind from an age range there, you know, don't give that to a six month old. Gotcha. 
Okay, next on our list, hot dogs, meat sticks, and sausage. <laughs> That's a, a really, most people know that by now. And that goes, I want to remind everyone, it goes all the way up to like four to five years. It's really important. That's one of the biggest culprits. Um, and those, you, we can make them safe by slicing them lengthwise into quarters, and then you can cut them like bite size there. When you think about it, it's it's soft on the inside, but it almost like kind of expands. So if a if a baby or young kid bit off part of that, they could get it down into their throat, and then it kind of expands to take up space. Oh, so that's the issue yeah. with those, right? And it's hard to bite through it. So if they have like an outside skin, it's not going to be as easy for them to break that down. So they're more likely to get it in their throat and then it expands in their throat blocking their air. Yeah, totally. And it, so that's, that's a really important one to make sure that always cutting those type of things up. Yeah. I didn't even think about the casing on the, you know, sausage, yeah. hot dog, whatever. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Grapes, berries, cherries, or melons is all kind of grouped together here. Obviously, you know, with with grapes, it's it's easy. I don't know. When I think of choking, I think of a a grape. I don't know what it is. (laughs) That's the first thing that comes to my mind is a grape. That's, I mean, we've got that messaging across. So that's great. You know, yeah. I always say cherry tomatoes are are, are right in there too. Yeah. Um, and that's the same thing. Of, it's almost similar to a hot dog in the sense of it has the outside casing and the soft inside. So it's a similar thing that happens with not being able to break it down in the mouth and then getting stuck in the throat. Um Berries, it's really a shape thing. So if it's like a soft berry that, you know, I think like... Um, frozen and then defrosted raspberries or something like that, right? That's not a concern. So we're not talking all berries, but you know, nowadays you see blueberries out there that are the size of grapes. That is going to be the same as a grape. Um, Cherries, if they're fresh, you know, they have the pit. So if they're pitted, then you're still looking at the outside skin. So you can see kind of commonalities in these things. Um, The melon, it's going to be, it's not melons per se. It's like melon balls and stuff like that's in so again a lot of these it's the shape that we're serving them in it's not the food itself so if you were to cut melons like we were talking about with apples into thin slices or you know a size that they have to essentially nibble off of like they can't just swallow it then that's going to be safer So you mentioned seeds that are part of the fruit. You know, I'm thinking like sometimes grapes have seeds, but those are pretty tiny. Do we have to be worried about the seeds that are in the fruit too? I mean, obviously cherry seeds are bigger, but like orange seeds, seeds, you know, like that. Do we have to be concerned about that? I mean, there's a, there's a fine line. An orange seed I would be worried about. So, you know, like corn is actually a choking hazard. So if you think of a a whole corn kernel and the size of that. If the seed is that size, then I would be worried about it. If we're talking, you know, right now, hemp seeds and chia seeds are super popular and I love those for babies. Those are not the type of seeds that we're worried about. You know, sesame seeds, not worried about those. Um, So it's really kind of evaluating. Um, But I definitely say that like corn kernel size and bigger, I would be, I would be concerned about. Okay. And since we're talking about seeds, we, that was kind of a separate line item, but I kind of jumped ahead. So (laughs) along with seeds, what about nuts, right? Because I'm thinking like peanuts and and things like that. Obviously that could get lodged pretty easily. It can. And and the reason that it's such a concern is you think about how hard they are, right? And, and younger kids, 
again, this is anytime under four, don't have the chewing pattern to break that up. Like even once they have molars, which happens a little bit later, but they yeah. don't have the ability for that circular chewing pattern that can grind up nuts. And so when you have bigger ones, it just makes it a much higher risk. Okay. What about cheese? You know, I feel a lot of this stuff gets marketed to younger kids, but I guess maybe it's more the toddler age. You know, you think about lunches for kids, it's like string cheese and hot dogs and hey. grapes and all of this. Um, obviously, it depends with cheese. It kind of depends on how you cut it up. But mm -hmm. even with like the string stuff that's advertised mainly for kids, I, I mean, I feel like th some of those pieces are pretty long. Couldn't that kind of feel like it gets not lodged like a grape or something, but kind of stuck in their throat and create some sort of gagging? Well, and I, I think there's definitely that aspect. I just want to point out that like there's not really any regulation around how companies advertise their food, like to what age, if they're choking hazards. You know, with toys, we have to say like under three here in the US, it's a choking hazard. There's not really anything like that for food. So unfortunately, a lot of things are marketed to kids that are very unsafe. Yeah. So it's just something to have in the back of our head that we can't necessarily trust that we need to be mindful of it ourselves. Like string cheese, when you think about it, think of it like a hot dog. Right. And we're not necessarily worried about if the baby or the child peels off a piece of the cheese. It could be long, it could cause gagging, but that's not necessarily the concern. The concern is if the kid were to take the string cheese and bite it off. Yeah. It's the same kind of malleable texture that just like a hot dog, it's going to then expand in their throat. Like it can be softer and then expand. Same thing with chunks of cheese like cubes and stuff like that harder to break down in their mouth and then can just lodge in there so anything like that you know cutting it thinner is going to be important all right so we've made it through halfway through our list guys so far just in case you're keeping <laughs> tabs all right number six i guess if we're numbering these would be beans so is it all is it all beans give us the lowdown on beans so this one is a little interesting and I would definitely put this one as like very early age. By the time they're one, I wouldn't necessarily consider beans a choking hazard. So keep okay. that in mind. Um, you know, I think of beans, a lot of us buy beans in cans. Um, if they're harder, like think of a chickpea, some chickpea cans can be pretty hard. And I wouldn't give a kid that under one, because of the chance that they're going to miss it in their mouth. Remember, we talked about they're learning to manipulate with their tongue and they can lose track of it. So if they just swallowed that, it could get stuck in their throat and cause them to choke. Um, you know, like a bigger, soft kidney bean. Yeah. That's not as much of a concern from a choking standpoint. Okay. Those, I always just recommend like mash them up with a fork real quick, even chickpeas, just super quick. It doesn't have to be anything huge and again that one's a, a, a small time frame you know your four-year-old does not need to worry about eating beans so uh the next one on our list kind of surprised me i guess kind of not but kind of surprised me so peanut <sighs> butter again that's something that's marketed towards like all kids yeah yeah and i guess the stickiness of it you know i guess i, I guess that's where they're going with that because i would think that they would kind of be able to easily you know kind of mush that with their tongue get it out of the way but Maybe I'm wrong. So this goes back to exactly how it's served, right? So spread thinly on a piece of bread, totally safe. Mm. If you give a kid a 
spoonful of peanut butter or any type of like glob of it, that's when it becomes a choking hazard. And that like, think about if you if you yourself ate a glob of peanut butter and it kind of like, you can't really move your mouth, it's kind of stuck together and like you have a hard time manipulating that as an adult. So imagine with a kid who doesn't have that experience. And then a comparison that I've seen before um, is actually comparing it to like a latex balloon, right? So it can kind of like get stuck back there and just occlude the airway. So it's a little bit of a different thing. It can also, you know, if it's a chunk and it's sticky, it can also go down the throat. Um, But just the important thing to know is just spread it thinly. Like that's our, if you want to give it as a spoon, you can thin it out. Yeah. So it's, you know, kind of a drippable texture. And then watch them kind of like if you give your dog peanut butter, then just watch them (laughs) use their tongue and have some fun with it, right? (laughs) As long as we're safe, we're good with that. (laughs) Exactly. Always be safe. Always be safe. Okay. So the next item on our list, I kind of grouped a bunch of these into one, um, snack foods. And what I mean by that, I saw popcorn on the list a lot, which makes a lot of sense. We've talked about nuts and seeds and things like that. Potato chips, you know how potato chips can have those like harsh like edges and stuff like that. I can Mm -hmm. totally see how that could get lodged. And then another one that's always marketed to kids is pretzels. So what do you usually tell moms when it comes to to snack foods that uh, quite frankly are are advertised directly to our kids? They are, right? And it's just, it is being aware of the reasons. So tortilla chips are another really big culprit in there. You know, you can think oh, of yeah. the the corners of them that snap off and can really just get swallowed as a sharp item. Um, yeah. And it's just, and I just want to point out too, is I've been talking about like how they're cut, but it's important to remember that even if your kid can handle like a potato chip, we see kids having potato chips all the time when we would technically say that those are choking hazards. And the the thing to remember is that 90% of the time, like kids are going to be totally fine. You can say like, my kid's going to handle it. It's no problem. And it's really, that's not what we're concerned about. It's those like unusual times. So if your kid is startled, if, you know, they jump, if they start laughing, those are the times that the choking hazards become pretty dangerous because your kid doesn't have the ability to manipulate it in their mouth and be distracted without choking. Like that's what we're concerned about. And so that's the the real thing to remember with snack foods is a lot of kids have had popcorn. A lot of kids have had potato chips. Pretzels are marketed. It's not that they necessarily can't handle it. It's that it's a pretty risky food because kids don't have that multitasking ability and that maturity in their eating patterns to do that. Okay. So we got two more guys on the list. Uh, Chewy fruit snacks. Again, the marketing, it's always to kids. And, you know, I don't know. I feel like I've gotten that stuck in my throat a little bit too. So you're right. It it totally depends on what they're doing. But I mean, that's something like with some of these items, we talked about how it can expand. You know, you you squeeze those. You could see just with your hands, just take a, you know, little piece of the fruit snack, squeeze it and imagine that in your kid's Exactly. And then you get it wet and it's even more of an issue, right? The right. saliva from the mouth. And so, yeah, it's all it's all that kind of expandable things that we're really concerned about in that instance. 
Okay. And then the last one, guys, it's kind of, you know, self-explanatory. I think we, we all kind of know this, but something sneak in and that is round and hard candy. So what I mean by that, some of the smaller things could be jelly beans, uh, the small, like the mini marshmallows. Like I don't, depends on where you guys mm-hmm. live, but I know like in the wintertime, my kids love those little mini marshmallows and, and they're a little bit older now, but it, it can be kind of tempting, you know, if their brothers and sisters are having something like that to, you know, throw some to your baby or whatever. Whatever. Um, and then the other thing that was on this list is caramels or caramels, however you, however you want to pronounce it. But mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of has the same impact as the peanut butter that we were talking about, right? Exactly. So that's where we can start to see kind of the similarities here and what we're really worried about. The other one that I would throw in there that is incredibly common, I mean, my dentist tried to give my kids this, a sucker. Yeah. Because those are hard candies. Yeah. You know, peppermints, like circular candies, anything that is hard and can break off can easily be a choking hazard. So that's another thing that we're really concerned about too. Yeah, that's just it, is that it has the initial appearance of being more safe because it's quote unquote secured onto a stick. But we all know we've all had those suckers that were like, wait, I was sucking on <laughs> yep. it and now it came apart in my mouth when, when the world's going on. So obviously we just have to take that into consideration for our kiddos. We talked about cutting things up at the beginning, but it really is about like how you know, we are presenting it to. If your kid is running around with a sucker, that's way more dangerous than if they are sitting stable, you know, not moving and having a sucker. So that's something else to keep in mind with these choking hazards is if you do want to, you know, it's up to, it's up to you as the parent, you can make the call of what you are willing to, to have as your risk level. But I just always encourage parents to keep in mind how you're serving it. And that goes from six months all the way, you know, up to grade schools. It's if they're sitting and not running and not walking and not eating in a stroller, things like that, then you are exponentially decreasing their choking risk. That just happened in my house the other day. So I don't usually let my kids have gum. They're in elementary school, but I don't usually let them have gum, but I don't know, like, you know, it was gum was at the store, you know, we're going through the checkout line or whatever. You know how that is. They see everything and they want everything. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, you know, I'll get you guys some gum. Uh, We got home and I said, okay, here's a stick for you. Here's a stick for you. Here's a stick for you. So we went through the line and I said, I want you to go down. I want you to sit while you're chewing it. They usually go outside and play. And I said, no, 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 no. You're going to sit and chew it. And if you get bored, then you're yep. going to throw it in the trash can before you go out and play. So yeah, we just had this situation in my house. And I, you're right. It, it is all about what they're going to be doing, you know, and because uh, they're not yeah. thinking. And honestly, even we as adults, I, I remember choking. Um, this is a long time ago, but uh, I had one of those uh, peppermint candies in my mouth. And I was just doing something really stupid, but I was active. And it kind of got lodged in my throat. Uh, I was by myself and my gag reflex kind of kicked in and because like, you know, I was kind of like gagging and I got it out, but I have never been so scared in my entire life because there was no one coming to my rescue and thank God it wasn't a true choking. Like it didn't get down so far. (laughs) Um, So I always, you know, no one wants to go through that, but that's in my head every time one of these, you know, potential situations could happen. I, I think back to that time when I went through it and I'm like, okay, sit down, don't do anything when you're eating gum and then throw it away when you're done. (laughs) Don't swallow it. It's really, (laughs) it's really important. And I would say like, as much as I like, like to talk about choking hazards and all of that, one of the best things you can do is 
have them sit. Yeah. And but sitting the the caveat for this age group is don't have them eat in strollers. Okay. You could go over a bump in a stroller, you know, you're not having eyes on them at that age, you should really they should be eating when you're able to watch them. I know that's not convenient, but it's really important that, you know, we're mindful of reducing choking risks in that way as much if not more so than, you know, knowing the top choking hazards cuz and I I hesitate to say this, but any food can be a choking right. risk, right? Because we can choke on absolutely anything. And I don't say that to make you know, it more of a stressful issue. It's that there are many other things outside of focusing on exactly how to serve the food that we can do to decrease risk. And that's what's really important. You know, no strollers while eating, have them sit. You know, I, I remember I was visiting a preschool when I was looking to put my, my oldest daughter in it and they were running around having snacks that were tortilla chips. And, you know, my dietitian, I was just like, ah, like what is happening? You know, it's like some of them were over four and I was like, oh, no. that could be one thing. But, you know, I have two risks here. And if they had been sitting then it would not have been that big of an issue because they were older. Right. But they were running around, not supervised. I mean, remotely supervised, but yeah. things like that. So it really is, it's about how as much as what specifically you're feeding. Yeah. And let's be honest, your babies are never sitting still completely. Okay. Babies are like, unless they're <laughs> sleeping, <laughs> you can't like tell a baby, okay, you just well, because, you know, most of the time they don't really even understand what you're saying. It's yeah. this age, right? Yeah. They're constantly moving. Yeah. And so there really is no 100% just kind of sit there like an adult could do. Yeah. Or whatever. That's why, you, you know, no. strapping them into the high chair, really important. Having them sit there while you're, you know, that's that's one of the keys to reducing the risk. All right, guys, you have your top 10 list. But like Renee said, anything could be a choking hazard. We're not trying to scare you. But I think that the information is really important. So you know that. So it's not just like, oh, I don't need to do this or whatever, because it's not on the list. The list is there to help us and to guide us. Um, but obviously, we we need, there's a parenting factor to this well as well. And I know you guys know that, but I just wanted to throw that out there. So Renee, thank you so much for the information and for joining us today. We really appreciate having you on our show. Manas, be sure to check out Renee's website. It's newwaysnutrition.com. Actually, Renee, why don't you tell them real quickly about your course? Because you you do have a course where you talk about these. Well, I know choking comes up a lot, but it's about introducing foods to your baby, right? It is. I have a starting solids course. It's called Starting Solids, Setting the Foundation. Like I've been talking about today, you know, it's more than just the food. It's about how you're serving it. It's about, you know, sitting on your hands while your child is gagging, but knowing how to be safe. So it's about a lot more than just the specific food to give. But in this course, I do go a lot into the different choking hazards, exactly how you can serve them safely, the textures you're looking for, the shapes you're looking for. So to alleviate your mind, I go through that in the course while also teaching all about you know, the other things that we don't necessarily think about, like how to act at tables as parents, things like that. So all things that are really important for setting your kid up to have this amazing relationship with food and making meals fun for the whole family, which is the goal. Exactly. All right. Well, Renee's website is newwaysnutrition.com. We're going to link to that on our site, guys. So if you're familiar with going to our site on this episode page, we'll have all of her resources there and she'll, you know, have her own expert page as well. So if you want to connect with Renee, you can do it that way. So check out newmommymedia.com. Of course, that's our website. We have all of our podcast episodes there. We've got videos, blog posts, anything you could want specifically focused on pregnancy all the way up through ages four or five, which is where I think most of you guys fall in there. So check out our website for more information. 
Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. That wraps up our show for today, guys. We appreciate you listening to Newbies. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents. Parent savers for moms and dads with toddlers, the boob group for moms who give breast milk to their babies, and twin talks for parents of multiples. Thanks for listening to Newbies, your go-to source for new moms and new babies. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating healthcare problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.